and welcome everybody. Week three of the Blitz. I'm Chris Westfall alongside Neil Waldeck, Aaron Host. Neil, I can't find Kelly anywhere. Well, I think Kelly is uh, suffering uh, from, he hasn't done well with his football picks and he's uh, trying to redeem himself. What, what, he had to take a day off from the show just to study up? Yeah, he's got to get practice, you know, like football players do. So he's going back to working out, and then he'll come back ready <laughs> Working out? Seriously? <laughs> he didn't do bad last week. No, he didn't, but... Seven and four was respectable, unlike his five and six or five, yeah, five and six the week before. He said he's still got to get his game down. <laughs> So we'll see if he works on that. And you know, Kelly was up towards the top all all year last year, and boy, yeah, and that's why he's really struggling this year, and he can't. He's trying to figure out why, and so hopefully he'll be back with us next week. He'll have the answers. Aaron Host, for. another respectable week last week, coming in at eight and three, falling back to third place though. Yeah, but you guys are tied. It's, I'm really in second place. You guys are tied for first. No, because there's I'm a two, game. I'm a game back. Two people tied for first. You don't watch much golf, do you? I never watch golf. Oh, that, that's the problem. See, when people are tied, you got to count those people and then move to the next slot. So you're third. Uh, uh, well, be that as may, I'm only back a game from you two. Okay, he's he's back a game. Neil went nine and two last week. Congratulations on that. Yeah, wasn't too bad of a week. wasn't too bad, except I went ten and one. Now and I've caught you. I've caught you. Only one that got me last week was USC and Stanford. And who knew when we did the show last week, Stanford uh, ended up having to play a backup quarterback, and then USC brings in a true freshman. And my goodness. Yeah. We'll talk more about him in our national college football outlook, I'm sure, tonight. It is week three of the Blitz, West Virginia, NC State. In week three, it is a gold rush game. Milan Push Car Stadium, 12 noon kickoff with the NC State Wolfpack. Hey, hey Neil, hold your fingers like this. I know the, the people the people can't see us, but like this, no, you got to put your thumb, yep, and do this for me. That's what they do. I, I don't know. Wolfpack. Was that Texas Longhorn barking? No, that was the wolf, man. Can't, can't wait to hear what um, you have in store for us for the Neil Waldeck Song of the Week. Stay tuned for that, everybody. Yeah, you never know what I've got up my sleeve for that one. uh, You know, Wolfpack, it's hard to tell. Hard to tell. Guys, I'm trying to delay the inevitable here. (laughs) To talk about last week's game? Yeah. What game's tough? What was that, Aaron? What game was more like a in, in Missouri just lined up against us, and we let them let them just practice in West Virginia's defense defense, not defense defense. We didn't have any defense. Oh, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron host. We'll talk more about that later. Neil, you know Neil. I was here Sunday. I was at the radio station on Sunday. Neil Waldeck comes in and goes, "Man, we're no good." We're no good. Defense. Defense is even bad. And I said, wait a second. Defense was bad? Defense was bad? I don't know. Maybe I can change your guys' mind a little bit later. I still think both sides of the football is bad. Mm-hmm. If you're watching the if, game, if, you'd have to If agree. we're comparing it to last year, is this a bad defense? It's not statistically. Statistically, not, compared to last year, this defense is great. We, but, but it's still early yet. We haven't played any teams yet. We'll find out how they are defensively. I, I, guys, I think that team we played last week was pretty darn good. And, and I think what threw everybody off was, yeah, they went to Laramie, Wyoming, and lost to Wyoming. And I'm I'm not going to say that the Mountaineer defense is all that bad. Like I told you, I think I told you, the secondary played well. I was pleased with them. The ground game, I'm, I'm not exactly high on. Uh, but you do have to give credit to the Mountaineer defense. They played a whole second half. Without giving any uh, touchdowns, so yeah, and you hold Kelly Bryan to 150 yards of a f- passing, three touchdowns, but we'll get. But still, there has to be some work there. Yeah, yes, there is work to do. Let, let let me pull up the stats. I'm sorry, I was a little unprepared. I was ready to move on to NC State and had NC State stuff pulled up. Give me one second here. It, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't. You gave up. Um, 
box score. There we go. I'm getting there. So, so Kelly Bryant has 150 yards passing, and they and then everybody says, "Well, we got ran over." They only gave up 232 yards on the ground on 50 attempts. It's four yards a carry. Four yards a carry. It's not horrible. And like I said, if you compare that to last year and what this defense did at times last year, is the defense improved? I think so. I, I think I think they've improved. Don't get me wrong. I think I like uh, Coning and I like how he's bringing this defense together. And I think uh, as the more they play, the better they will become. I just uh, like I said was saying I don't. I'm not impressed with the 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 ground defense at this point in time. But I am uh, pleased with their secondary. I think they play uh, have an excellent secondary that's very young and athletic. Very young yes. in the secondary. You got, you got true freshmen out there playing on the secondary. And, and I think to hold a quarterback like Kelly Bryant to 17 to 25, 150 yards, and a QB rating of 73, it's yeah. not bad. Yeah. It's not a bad day at work. The problem is, guys, is the offense. That's the most of the problem, yes. After the Missouri game, and I'm sure people have heard the stats through the week. We are officially dead last in the FBS in yards per carry at 1.4. And we're second to last in yards per game. Or total yards. Total yards for the season, we're at 68 yards. That's second to last in the FBS right next to Texas State, led by Jake Spavital. <laughs> a former coach here. A former coach. Irony. Irony, exactly. I, I mean, guys, this offensive line, and it goes, everything goes to it. You can say, well, Austin Kendall didn't look good. He threw two interceptions. One of those weren't really his fault. Right. It was a tip ball. Okay. But, but he did throw on the outside shoulder of Bush that caused him to tip the ball, but. It hit his hands. What's, what's the old theory? Aaron, what's the old theory in football? You're an old football guy. Offense wins games. And if the pass hits you in the hands, what do you got to do with it? You got to catch it. You got to catch the thing. Right? It yeah. hit him in the hand. It, and it, the ball bounced backwards into a defender's hand. It did. I, I really don't put that one on Austin Kendall. 15-25, no. to 25, 137, and a 52-yard touchdown pass to George Campbell late in the game, which got West Virginia over 100 yards of offense. In the game, finally, yes. seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we're just getting over 100 yards. We were able to bring our rushing total above negative, which that's where it lived until that seven-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Alex Sinkfield was your lead rusher with 27 yards on nine carries. It's three yards a carry. I will say a bright side of it. That is a, a, a Sinkfield came in. I, I did see a little bit of burst from him, and uh, I liked how he ran. He ran a little bit better than um, McCoy and Petaway. So the bright spot on offense that I saw when you could get time to get him the ball was Sam James. Five catches for thirty-five yards. Most of those short, quick passes because you couldn't block long enough to do anything else. Right. And he looked good. He did. Tevin Bush, again, looked good. Two two catches for 21 yards. He, Tevin Bush was also your second leading rusher with three carries for 15 yards. I know these numbers don't sound huge, but they were the only signs of life out of that defense offense. And come on, let's get George Campbell the ball. He's touched it three times and has two touchdowns on well, the season. Well, Bush and uh, James, I thought both uh, showed explosiveness in the in the passing game, along with Campbell. So, yeah, if you can continue to keep them uh, in the game and try to get the ball to them, they can show you that they have that explosiveness, especially when your running game is at halt. Now, Neil, you you said earlier today. I know you got a chance and chance to listen to the Neil Brown press conference. Um, going to switch some things up they on are. the offensive line, yeah, and I love his comment. His saying on the thing. The the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and not and expecting different results and not changing it. I love that. Yeah. Offensive line this week. What are we looking at? Well, he's gonna open it back up this week. 
and he's going to give the younger players uh, that's behind the starting lineup right now and give them an opportunity to fight for uh, a job and be a, a starter on that offensive line because someone has got to step up. He said the only one that he's really been impressed with for the past two games was McKivitz, and that's uh, been about it. The rest of them he's not really been happy with, and he's going to open it back up and see what he can do. And McKivitz is the guy you got to turn to. He is one of the veterans on that offensive line. He's got to step up. He does. And so doesn't Josh Sills. He does. They both those guys. They're veterans. They've got to be your team leaders and say, guys, something's got to give. Yes. Both of those guys. And I'm actually expecting more from Kelby Wickline. He's been in this program for three years now. Yeah, the, these guys ain't like they've never played the game. They've had a lot of experience. You should think that they would know how to block and do the right things when they're out there on the field, and that's what's mind-blowing, that you have three of those guys who have experience. Two of them may not, but uh, one's a junior college transfer. But th- those three guys should be able to help those uh, younger men come along, and they should be fairly at least mediocre. I'm not saying you know fabulous offense they, line, but they mediocre. should at least be give your quarterback enough time to get a ball off. Yes, and they should somewhere on that line somebody has got to open a hole to run through. I agree. You <laughs> don't have to do be it. world shakers to do that. Yeah, you don't. I, I, and and so so you know what else do you do if you're Neil Brown? You open him back up and you say, hey, let's let's see if we can. You know who wants to who wants to fight for it and just out physical. Yes, in, you know it's one thing if they were out there and they were being physical and doing their best. They're they're just getting manhandled. Yeah, absolutely they got manhandled. manhandled against Missouri. Aaron host a couple things. Um, got one player out. We've got one player coming back. The one coming back could be a game changer at another running back. Probably your best blocking running back, and that's another thing I've seen is how many running backs missed blitzes. Well, I think that's one thing that's killing the Mountaineers is it's not only the offensive line that's being manhandled, is you got receivers and tight ends that are missing blocking assignments, and that, that just causes the whole play just to fall apart. And the one thing that just makes me just, just mind boggles me is with the experience that's on the offensive line, I understand it's a new system and everything, but I know in my days of playing, I was never taught to go back. As soon mm. as that ball gets snapped back to the quarterback, I don't care what the offense coordinator done last year or what the offense line coach done last year. Coach Matt Moore is doing it the right way. When that ball is snapped, you're firing off the ball. You're the one that's being the aggressor, not being passive and letting them just push you back and you form the pocket. They should be pushing the ball forward. And that's one thing I, I don't see why it's that hard to go forward. I don't know why it's... There's there's a disconnect somewhere between those offensive linemen, and uh, you would figure Sills, McKivitz, Wickline, even Chase Barrett to an extent would have enough experience to know that you need to fire off that ball, and they've played against Big 12 defenses, and they've played against Missouri before uh, back in 2016, so they should they should have a better understanding of how to just, just bust off the ball and push forward. I don't see why they're getting manhandled. I don't see... What is the reason behind it? Letty Brown coming back, you you think that is any kind of, uh, does he add life? Does he add better blocking at that position than than what we've seen in the last couple weeks? Well, you think he would. I mean, you can't get much worse than what they are right now. I mean, when you're only rushing, and when uh, when 35 is your high point in a game for rushing, You'll take any all the help you can get. And with Letty <laughs> Brown coming back, I think it brings an added level of veteran leadership to that team. He's had more time to set back and watch the games being injured. He hasn't been able to help, but he has been able just to absorb the game knowledge and understand what the running backs are doing wrong. And maybe he can go out there and tell the guys, this is what you need to do to pick up those blocks. I'm not so concerned with him coming back and bringing volatility to the offense. I'm concerned with him coming back and being able to provide those outside blocks to allow the running backs to move. And once one learns it, it becomes like a cancer. It will spread to where the whole team knows what to do. I think right now it's just missed assignments, missed blocks, and miscommunication on the offense line. Because like you said, you did change my mind. The defense is doing 
a lot better than last year's team statistically. I mean, when you're holding a former national title uh, quarterback in Kelly Bryant to 150 yards or 150-some yards passing, that is pretty good when you got true freshmen in the backfield. The one thing I saw when, defensively, when, when, and Kelly Bryant has a way to make people look like fools, and, and he did that a couple yes. of times. You know, the both Stills brothers got there to him a couple of times and just couldn't put their arms around him. They looked like they were hugging butter. Or there was some missed tackles there. But there, yeah. there were some missed tackles, but you got to look at what kind of player Kelly Bryant was. He, he's a very good athlete. And, and, and he escaped them. Right. A couple times. One of the big key injuries on defense this past week, Taj Alston announced out for the season. This week, I, God, see the the his leg, man. That was a gruesome. I, I don't know if a lot of people saw it on the television cast, but his leg just. Ugh. Yeah, you hate to see a young player like that go down in an injury like that. Uh, he's a uh, college transfer, comes here from uh, uh, to to West Virginia to play out his career, and and then uh, something like this happens. Uh, you could tell he was devastated when he went mm-hmm. off the field. He was upset, and uh, so now you got to replace him as as well along that uh, defensive line. And a great player he is, and so we'll see what uh, Koenig can do uh, with his absence now going. All right, guys. So so Neil Brown post 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 game press conference comes out and says he's not disappointed. He is disappointed. He is disappointed. Thank you. But he's not discouraged. Right. Coach talk? Yeah, I mean, what's, you know, that's a coach for you. He's he's got to believe in his team. Let let me ask you guys this way. And I know we're we're two weeks into this, and I've seen so much crap on on message boards. I really got to stop reading those things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you think he felt this was going to be an easier of a rebuild than what it actually is? No, I think he knew that it was going to be a, a rebuild. He but just, did he think it was going to be to this extent? I think, though, that he thought he could be competitive. And when you don't have an offensive line and you can't get a running game going, then you become one-dimensional, and then it becomes like the game against Missouri. You're not competitive. And I think he was looking at least being competitive. Even if he took some losses, he was hoping to be competitive. Aaron, I'll ask you the same thing. Do you, do you think in his mind this was going to be an easier of a rebuild than, than what he's got got himself into? And let me even add a part to this. And I said it last week, guys. This was not a good matchup with Missouri. No, it's it, not. it wasn't. It, it just wasn't a good matchup for us. Do you think, Aaron, that he can still right the ship and and get something out of this season? I definitely think he can. And like I was talking to Neil before the show, I think you played Missouri at a wrong time of the year. They were coming off a loss. They were coming back home. And then they they were wanting to make a vengeance from last week's game or the week before game against Wyoming. And they just totally smoked WVU on the field. And I think the Mountaineers are just, uh, they're learning a new system. And when you go up that against that type of team that's been with Barry Odom for the last four years, and Barry Odom's seat's not getting any, war- or mm-hmm. getting any colder. I mean, West Virginia handed him his first loss when he came. Yep. So I think Neil Brown is understanding, yes, this is a little bit tough, but you got to remember his first year at Troy. I think they only had a four-year yeah, four win season. Four wins. So, but he was at Troy beforehand. I think him coming here, he may have thought, "Well, I'm coming to an FBS team that's coming off a big game last year. Surely they have better talent mm. than what I had to rebuild with with an FCS type of caliber team in Troy, which took him two years and look where he had Troy. I think it's the same way with Neil Brown. I think the Mountaineers will get better as the season progresses. I don't think I'm not saying we're going to beat Oklahoma at the end of the year. I'm not even trying to give out my pick for that, but I don't think it's going to be a total bloodbath. And I think that's what people need to pump the brakes here and and realize. They were in a bad situation not playing a bad football team. Missouri is a good football team. I want to go out on a limb here and say Missouri wins eight to nine games this year. I, I would say that. I really believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I 
they, I think they're good. They just had a misfortune of going out to Laramie and and not performing, and then they come home and they play that. They do they that. They wanted to rebound for yeah. their coach, and they, they knew did. That, you know, they lost a horrible game to Wyoming, and they wanted to show the the fans that uh, that was just a fluke and that they were on the right track, and I think they proved that against uh, West Virginia. All right, guys, so bad matchup last week. I think this week we match up very well against this NC State Wolfpack team. We will talk more about NC State when we come back on The Blitz. Welcome back to the Blitz on Preston County's Mountaineer Station, 96.7 K-Country. I'm your host, Chris Westfall, alongside Neil Waldeck and Aaron Host, Kelly Gamble, in his now beginning of the season training. You you, you thought he would have got that underway and, and through before the start of the season. I know. Kelly's a busy guy. It's his bye week. It's his bye week. I, I like that, Aaron Host, his bye week. <laughs> no bye weeks in our weekly pick segment. Guys, we've came to the segment of the show where we do our fight song of the week. It is my little segment to compete with Neil Waldeck's song of the week. And this week, only one team out there in the nation we need to be talking about. Them LSU Tigers. Man, what a game. Saturday night between LSU and Texas. We will dive into that game a little bit more in our next segment, but let's throw this out here real quick, and you guys can think about this while we're while we're in our next segment. Why is it when an SEC quarterback torches a Big 12 defense, it's just great quarterback play? But if a Big 12 defense gets torched by any quarterback. It's just horrible defense. Why is that? We'll, we'll get more into it here in a second, but I thought it was a heck of a game. LSU and Texas this past Saturday night. Of course, LSU coming out on winners. And remember, everybody, I've already called it. They will meet again in the playoffs, and I still believe that. Texas looks good. Ellinger looks good. Guys, we've already discussed it. What didn't look good in week two of the college football season was West Virginia's offense or lack thereof, lack of blocking, lack of everything. And, of course, they ran ran into kind of the perfect storm with Missouri. Aaron touched on it in our last segment. They, they go up against a team that does have more talent, SEC-level talent, big defensive line that is looking for revenge, a home opener. You got that going for him. Home opener. By the way, who makes... How did Missouri get even put on to go to Wyoming? Uh, I don't know how that worked out. Uh, both those teams, um, you know, I don't know if they if, if there was a contract to deal there. I don't remember a home-and-home home series, but if you're if you're Missouri, why, why are you even agreeing to a home-and-home home with Wyoming? It's a good question. I'm not quite certain. But then again, I mean... <laughs> These non-conference games, uh, you know, if nobody wants to play you, and yeah. I'm not quite certain if nobody wants to play Missouri or or what that is, and uh, so you take what you can get. I guess. I guess. All right, guys. Let, let's get into a team that I think we match up with a little bit better than NC State. And I've got a friend lives down in Lexington, North Carolina, huge Wolfpack fan, and... They're still sore. They're still a little bitter down there about us not playing them last year. I see, yeah. They they are. They they wanted that game. Of course, NC State ends up with a nine win season last year. They did. They had a all star NFL caliber quarterback just like we did. They wanted that game to happen. I was just talking to him there a few weeks ago and and they're still sore about it. But but it wasn't our fault. I mean, it was the storm's well, fault. Well, it was the storm's fault. But could we have made a better arrangement to try to reschedule that game? I I know what the big plan was last year. We were going to the Big Twelve Championship, and that's all that mattered to us. But the the plan fell through. It did. It fell through miserably. Why didn't we switch them? Why didn't we play at home last year and just go down there this year? You know, that that's another thing to bring up. And, and you sit and look and say, could we have organized a, a home game that quickly? 
Yeah, there's a lot of things that go into yeah. a home game. Yeah. The, the, the thing would have been to try to match up by weeks. We didn't have that in common. Right. Um, there was something I heard that you could have changed because we played a Thursday night game. And he could have moved some things around. But it would have rushed uh, us. It would have gave us a, a short week. Yes. A very yeah. short week. Um, but, yeah, they're still sore about it. So they come in with that on their shoulder. And, guys, not a lot has been talked about this week. And not as a lot has been mentioned. And I think it's the big elephant in the room. And that big elephant is named Tony Gibson. Here comes Tony Gibson back into Morgantown. Yes. Co-defensive coordinator. Get this. NC State has not allowed a touchdown yet this year. The 3-3-5, and I know, Neil's over there shaking and wobbling his head. <laughs> no. They, they've they played East Carolina and Western Carolina. Yeah. I, I know. Their competition has not been tough. Right. But, At this point. But our defenses over the years, we gave up touchdowns to teams like those, right? That is true. Gibby, Gibby's coaching with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. But these teams have never faced him before, those East Carolina. Maybe East Carolina may have. We may have played them yeah. with uh, Gibson as our defensive coordinator, but the other uh, Western uh, uh, Carolina has not. And so when you when you have a new defensive coordinator, new things, that can change. And then those teams are rebuilding as well, East Carolina and Western Carolina. So both those teams are rebuilding as well. Here's the stat that's scary to me. Chris's scary scary stat of the week. That's hard to say. Scary stat of the week. All right. We have rushed for a total of 32 yards. Total of 32 yards this season. NC State is averaging on defense, giving up 24 and a half a game. But again, those are against uh, rebuilding teams. I bet you one of those teams had better, uh, better blocking than us. I bet, you, I bet you East Carolina blocked better than we did. They may have. And, and, you're right. and they're, you know, NC State's able to hold them down. Two games, 24 and a half yards, average rushing. <laughs> Excuse me. Only giving up 163 per game passing. But this defense is stout. Yeah, and, 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 and I think if we're going to try to run the ball, we, we've, we've got to do something and try to fix this problem. The other question, uh, Chris, uh, I think I asked you on Sunday when we talked, you know, we need to get the tight ends more involved in the blocking scheme. If if they're not going to catch the ball, which we have not thrown to a lot of tight ends, you and know, I see Haskins was in the game against uh, Missouri, yeah. and we he was not a target on our list. And I, I think the tight ends are being used in those blocking schemes. I, I just don't think they're pulling it off. You know, Aaron Host mentioned the outside blocking, the receiving and tight end blocking has not been great either. It's been so atrocious. that might be something that we I mean, need to work on. offense line, everything that's been going on with anything near to pass blocking or rush blocking hasn't came to fruition. You got lucky getting James Madison week one. I couldn't imagine if you had a team like Missouri week one at Mountaineer Field. I mean, could you imagine that if Milan Pushkar Stadium, Missouri coming? No, in? Oh. no, it would have been it would have been bad week one. I mean, I mean, the stadium <laughs> was halfway empty by halftime because of the students. I'd hate to see if. Mm. Um, I defensively, here's what I see in this game. Okay, uh, led by Tony Gibson, coming back in here, a place that said we'll interview you for the head coaching job, but we're going elsewhere. Um, we're not keeping you on his staff. He don't want you on his staff. This guy grew up in Little Van, West Virginia. He, he's one of us. He gets to come up here with a chip on his shoulder with a defense that is playing very well against an offense that hasn't shown a pulse. That's what scares me. That, that's the scary part of this game to me. And, and i tell you what. They've got a defensive back on that team, headhunter, headhunter. Be watching for him. Scary, <laughs> scary stuff in line for this West Virginia offense. Well, and and here's the thing, and and uh, Gibson is a great uh, defensive coordinator, and 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 probably should have uh, probably had the chance to take the head coaching job. So he's going to have a a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to want to come in here and win this ball game. And he's going to tell his defensive unit that, you know, they snuffed me out of a job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, let's go in there and kick some butt. 
And oh, that's what they're going to do. And he and, gets to look across at Shane Lyons and stare yes. him down the whole game. Man. Ugly. And, scary. And whether or not, what can Neil Brown do offensively this week to try to get something started offensively? Uh, and, and that's why I think he opened up to see, hey, you know, we're going to open this job back open. We're going to see what we can do offensively here. We've got to create some kind of running game and, and uh, we'll see what Neil Brown can do uh, this week as well. Because Here's, I can't, I don't think you can put all your money on Missouri. I mean, you lost uh, thirty-eight to seven, but remind you, Missouri was a great team, and we and, and remind you, our defense shut them out in that second half. They so. they shut James Madison out in the second they, half as well. Yeah, so so who says? And, this, and that's what I'm leaning on here. Right. And I've mentioned this before that this defense is going to progress. A lot quicker than our offense. And I'm seeing signs of life on the defense. I'm seeing the defensive line getting a big push, yes. putting pressure on the quarterback. I do I'm too. seeing a young defensive backfield that's really stepping their game up and wants yes. to play football. A linebacking core that, yes, we have got torched a little bit by the run, but have played well overall. West Virginia's defense, and like I said, I've said it before, moves along faster than the offense. This defense will keep us in some games we probably shouldn't be in very soon. And I think this maybe is, starting this week. Yeah, I think this could be one of those games because I really do think that turnovers could be a factor mm-hmm. in this game, and I think it could come at the hands of the Mountaineer defense against uh, North Carolina State's offense, who is young and inexperienced. And if West Virginia can exploit them and get turnovers, it could be a different type of ball game, and it could give you good field uh, advantage. Can we punch it in? I don't know, but we may end up winning this by field goals. Special teams has got to be huge. And Evan Staley's got to come around. He's missed two kicks already this season. Punting looks decent. Uh, looking at NC State on offense. Now, now, guys, NC State and us are very similar. They lost a lot of people. Ryan Finley's gone. The running back's gone. They're trying to do it with these young guys. Uh, McKay, their quarterback, he is a sophomore. Their leading rusher right now, Knight, he is a freshman. He's got 27 carries, 161 yards, and three touchdowns, and has really been the life of the NC State offense. NC State, NC State is putting up 272 passing yards, which is, yeah, against the, the level of talent. Right. They're not throwing the ball an awful lot, and right. they're having some troubles there. But they're averaging 250 rushing yards a game. Yeah. But, yet again, they've played West Carolina and East Carolina. I mean, it's not top-notch caliber like Missouri. And I watched the East Carolina game. I watched the first half of it before – our game came on. East Carolina was with them through halftime, yeah. and then and then NC State put it on them in, in the second half. Guys, like I said, I think we match up well with their offense and our defense. My question is, Aaron Host, can this offense find enough to go up against this uh, a defense that's going to be led by a guy with a huge chip on his shoulder? Well, I think the Mountaineers got a chip on their shoulder. They went into Missouri. They came off their home opening win against James Madison. I think Neil Brown is going to have his team a little more prepared. I think he went into the uh, the locker room and see and told him, like, hey, you see, guys, this is what happens when you go up against top-notch caliber teams and you're not firing off the ball. The offense, I, I've always figured it's harder for you to learn a new scheme on offense than it is to learn a new scheme mm-hmm. on defense. I agree. That's why the defense is progressing a lot more quickly, whereas the offense, they have to learn a whole new playbook. They have to learn a whole new how how uh, Neil Brown wants them to hit the holes. Just how, how it how the verbiage and just how people talk in it and what people are called. It's 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 a totally different system. I mean, yeah, the three three five and you're changing to where now you got four down linemen. It's it's still you're still playing defense. Your whole objective is to stop the ball. Whereas the same can be said, offense, your objective is to move the ball. But how how you go about moving the ball is totally different. I think the 38-7 to loss to Missouri was an eye-opener for the Mountaineers and an eye-opener for Neil Brown to show how much you do have to put in this team to make us anywhere near competitive this year. Because if they stay at the level where they're at now, 
that four and eight record that everybody's been talking about, the low mm-hmm. mark, that's going to be the high mark. Yeah. Re- remember, before preseason. I was one of the uh, high. I said 10 and 2. I, I do remember that. That was the warm and fuzzies. And I, you're right. I, I, had us, I had us at four, but I was wanting to say two at the beginning. And I guess we'll be able to tell more after this game because I, I think, think so. the Missouri game was kind of an, ano- an anomaly. Right. It, it, I just don't show, think it shows what we are. You played the team I at agree. the wrong time in the wrong place at their home opener. Barry Odom's on the hot seat. They have a very yeah, expensive, they get it done. very experienced defensive line. Kelly Bryant, top-notch qu- quarterback. Wasn't to the level of Trevor Lawrence, but I don't know anybody else that really is to the level of Trevor Lawrence or Tua Tagovailoa. If you're talking Jalen Hurts, but I think I, I I totally agree with you. It was an anomaly. This game will be I a think true a true look at the Mountaineers this season. Really, and, and the Kansas game. Yeah, the, the next two games is going to tell the story of the season. It will. You, you get a tough ACC opponent who's kind of in a similar boat as you. And you get a Kansas team that's still the bottom cellar dweller of the Big 12 after losing to Coastal Carolina this week. Right. Go Chanticleers. <laughs> Les Miles, man. He ate that grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was eating something. I don't know. Anyway, here's, here's the information on the game. Let's go down it real quick. All right. We are a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Under a touchdown underdog, it started at seven. It has moved to six and a half. That means people were putting money somewhere on West Virginia. Right. Interesting. Uh, ESPN, if you like to follow them, their football power index gives NC State a 71.5% chance at winning this game. I don't know what you read into that, but that that's the facts. That's how I got my picks so good last week and the week before. I go off at power index. That, I, I, I don't know if that's the way you want to go. I let my secret, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a lot higher anyway, than last year. Kickoff is at 12 noon. That means we will be on the air, Neil, at 830. 8.30 with all the people there at Learfield IMG College. Tony Caridi will have the call of the game. You can also see the game on ESPN2. We, if you want to watch it, turn the TV volume down. Turn Tony Caridi up here on K-Country. Also, don't forget, if you miss any part of our show tonight, you can catch it anytime through the week. Just find the Sports Roundtable podcast. Aaron, give them the logistics on that. So you can hear the Sports Roundtable podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, uh, Stitch Radio, more so for the Android users. And on our website, kcountryradio.com. Also, you can find it on soundcloud.com. You will see a link dropped where all you have to do is click on our uh, link that is shared on our Facebook page at 1230 noon. Or, yeah, yeah, 12.30 noon on Thursday. That's when I uh, share the post. It will be available as soon as 7 o'clock tonight. Right after this show airs, you will hear it drop on our website, but... I will share a link so it becomes more accessible for people who may not know how to type it in because I know when you first type in a thing, it gives you a whole bunch of different results. I'll give you a direct link on Twitter and Facebook. It gives you a direct thing. All you do is click on it and play it. It's free to listen, free to download, subscribe. You get a notification every time a new episode of the Sports Roundtable simulcasted with the Blitz drops. And be sure to give us a rating and be sure to give us a comment to let us know how we can change it to make it better for the listening experience. We're always looking for criticisms and critiques to help make the show more user-friendly and listener-friendly to get the listeners involved. All right, guys, we got to take a break. When we come back, we are talking and reviewing Week 2 of National College Football. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Blitz. Neil, you're sure you don't want to plug the Knights game whatsoever? Speak now forever. Hold your peace. <laughs> oh, I guess we can. I, I don't care. We can at least mention the game broadcast. All right. I, I will throw that in. Okay. You are going. Kickoff is at when? I think it's at 7. Pre-game would be at 645. Uh, 6.30. 6.30. So you're going a full half hour. Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to the Blitz on Preston County's Mountaineer Station 96.7 K-Country being simulcast with the sports Roundtable podcast, everybody's favorite portion of the show. Oh boy, 
What does the old radio man have for us now? Neil Waldeck loves spinning those tunes. And each week he gives us the song of the week. Neil Waldeck, let me have it. It is Duran Duran, Hungry Like a Wolf. Those wolves coming in, we're going to be just as hungry as they are for when one of these teams is going to walk away with a win. Mike Sir, off their seats. Mike Duran Duran, man. Oh, man, going back. Yeah. You got to love Duran Duran. Back to the 80s right Woo. there. We had some good Mountaineer teams back in the 80s. We did have some good teams in the 80s. Yes. Don Nealon was at his peak by the late 80s, man. He was. National championship game against Notre Dame. And you knew who's getting inducted into the Mountaineer Hall of Fame? Mark Bulger. One of Don Nealon's uh, recruits. Yeah. Great NFL career. Probably the best NFL career for any Mountaineer quarterback ever. That's right. Maybe Jeff Hostetler. Yeah. I mean... Haas does have a Super Bowl. He does. He has a Super Bowl under his belt. Yep. Bulger didn't get that. No, he did not. Came close. He played with the Rams, though. He did play with the Rams. We'll, we'll, we'll give him that. He did play with the Rams. <laughs> they went to the Super Bowl without him. I thought he was on that team. No? No. After him. Yeah. He made it to the playoffs, though, a couple times. Yeah, he did. Playoff team, yep. Mark Bulger, one of the things happening at the stadium... This weekend, the induction into the Mountaineer Sports Hall of Fame. Congratulations to him. When's Meg going to get in? His sister, the basketball player. Is she in there already? Anybody? She helps with uh, the TV uh, portion. I know. She was a great basketball player. One of them does. She needs in the Mountaineer Hall of Fame. Yeah. She does. I'll go with that. Uh, Segment three. Wow, we got off topic quick. Oh, Gold Rush. Yeah, that, that's rush. what else I want. I'm, I'm trying to give people reasons to get out to the stadium. Get out there early and stay in the stadium, please. Okay? We don't need any more um, social media slams and mid-game pictures of the student section, Aaron Host. Meg Bulger is in the Mountaineer Sports Hall of Fame to continue on that tangent. Just to let you know. Okay. Meg makes it before Mark. And Kate Bulger. If, if and Kate. Any. That's right. I forgot about Kate. Holy cow. All kinds of Bulgers. Now Mark enters. Do they have any kids yet? I don't know. Because they need to get busy doing that. Yeah. Because yeah. we need more Bulger in our life. Yeah, we need, we need some more Bulgers <laughs> back into the uh, classrooms at WVU, yes. Any comments about that uh, half-empty student section midway through the Youngstown State game? I brought it up in one of my journalism classes, and I'm half-tempted to bring it up to the athletic department. Mm. I would give it this year, and if students continue to leave at halftime, Cut the amount of seating in half in that student section and sell it. There has to be a way to monitor who's leaving and when they're leaving. No. There's no way to you do that. you scan your ticket? Can, can you not scan, have them scan back out? That would be my question. And I, how do you get them to monitor that they're actually doing it would be... How many, how many students just throw away their ticket before or as soon as they yeah. get into the gate? Because, I mean, there's not like you scan your ticket and then you're setting in section 201, row C, seat 3. No, you just... You fight for your seats. Yeah. That's part of the reason I never... Here, here's an interesting thing that I saw. Um, the Mountaineer Maniac section, pretty full. The Maniacs, I was in the they, Maniacs my first year, and that is probably one of the better... That, uh, yeah. f- to my knowledge, that is the best student organization when it comes to sports on that campus. Instead of having them in the upper deck... Let them in the lower. Why don't you move them down to that... Lower section where nobody's staying. Well, even on the side of the press box near the, if you're looking from the student section, the lower right portion of the the press box side down towards the bottom, that's the senior spirit section. Yeah, now senior spirit's pretty decent. Sometimes, usually, usually, sometimes. Now the lower half on the, the student section side, side, I've said in that, and by the time the third quarter's, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm setting up near the end just to have some free space, and it's. It's a crying shame of what that student section is. We say we're Mountaineer Nation, but... And it gets worse progressively every year. And and I know, if you're getting blown out, or you're blowing somebody out, I I, I get that. That James Madison game. James Madison was a tie game, seven minutes left in the third quarter, and they belled. They rolled. 
They said party in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hear it when they're sitting beside me. They're, they're asking, hey, are we going to get a drink at halftime? And no. I, it just makes Man. me I – mean, it makes, makes, makes my blood boil. Funny story about last year when we were playing Texas Tech at home and um, we had that comeback. We were down seventeen thirty five. Two years ago. Two, two years. years. Sorry, yeah. sorry. So two years ago we were down seventeen thirty five of I think like was it like three yeah. uh, three minutes left in the third quarter. That sta- a half that stadium was empty yeah. on the student section side. We scored thirty five unanswered points. And one. they missed it. The next game we played Oklahoma State at home and I heard it was the middle of the rain. The kids were like, We're staying, we're not gonna yeah. miss it again. And we did get torched that game and we were not coming yeah. back. Yeah. But I, I can understand if it's a blowout. I can't. But if you're in a tight game, but my goodness, but stay in the stadium. It's not over until the fat lady sings. Yeah. I've seen, I mean, I've seen two great cor- comebacks, Kansas State. I, and, I, you know, I, I'm guilty of it myself. Um, 2005, Louisville, triple overtime. I, I was watching it in the parking lot halfway through the third quarter. I never so, leave a game early. Uh, unless, unless that, we're losing, that's one of the few times I did. Unless we're leaving, losing by 20 with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, that <laughs> is the only time I'll try to beat the rush. Guys, let's talk uh, last week, college football. Of course, the big game, Texas-LSU. Neil, do you think that game lived up to the hype? I did. I thought it was a great game and uh, well played. And, um, you know, it was a shame the Big 12 didn't win. So, so here's the thing, and the question I asked you guys earlier. Okay. So, game broadcast is on, you know, offensive game, things, to, you know, and, and everything's LSU, Joe Burrow, my goodness, he's a great quarterback. Any other time, it's, oh, my God, look at this horrible Big 12 defense. Why is this? <laughs> well, the Big 12's not known for defense. It's yeah. not. It, it, but, it, I mean, you're... but what makes Joe Burrow... The the, the the king that is just torching this defense, and he's a great quarterback. It's Texas's defense. I mean, but that's, plain that, that's what I'm trying to say. Is it Joe Burrow or is it Texas's defense? Combination of both. Yes, I mean, you have to have both. some talent to be a SEC starting quarterback, with, and you're ranked so high that LSU is, so he has to have some talent. Going forward, LSU, are they a legitimate contender to Alabama in the West? I, I do believe. Aaron, LSU, can can they knock off? Can they get over the Alabama hump? I think this year's uh, the best year, if any, and Coach O needs it to be. Mm-hmm. He I does. Mean, I mean, great coach, and he'd be a real good coach anywhere else, but the SEC is kind of like the AL East in baseball. If you don't win, you're out. Yeah. Dave Dombrowski's fired for the Boston Red Sox. And that's off crazy. Topic. It's crazy because that's the toughest division in college football. It is. Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M. And you play each other every year. It's a dogfight every game, and they're really good games to watch, especially the Iron Bowl, Auburn, and Alabama. That's mm-hmm. a game I will sit down and watch from start to finish just because of the the aura around it. Guys, a couple more games I want to touch on and get your opinions on from last week. How about Maryland? Going into Syracuse, actually Syracuse went into Maryland. Maryland put up 70-some, 79 against Howard, and everybody's thinking, okay, it's Howard. Right. Then they put up 63 against Syracuse and Dino Babers. Unreal. Maryland's got something. They do, and I'm not taking anything away from them. I think Syracuse is a little overrated there, in my okay. opinion. Too. Even off the year, they had a 10-win season last year. Yeah, but they played a week schedule. And okay. then where, where are they at? They're in the ACC, too, right? <laughs> right. Okay. And, and that's a question we're going to get in here, too. Can anybody challenge Clemson in the ACC? No. Is there anybody, Aaron, anybody in the ACC that might challenge Clemson? Maryland. You, you think Maryland? I can? think I. I mean, Maryland's what outscored teams a hundred. But Maryland moved. Maryland's in yeah, the Big Maryland's Ten. Maryland's in the Big Ten. Oh wow! Yeah. I, I totally, I totally yeah. bought that. <laughs> shows how ignorant of a sports fan I am. No, you know Maryland's been in the ACC I was for about so Syracuse. long. Syracuse. I said yeah. Syracuse is in the no. week conference of the can, ACC. Can, can a team like Syracuse this week going up against Clemson? Can no. they challenge? No. I mean, Clemson looked daggone Clemson, good. Clemson, you may as well just go ahead and sign, seal, deliver the national title to. Them. Clemson looked daggone good against Texas A&M. Yeah, handed over to him. Yeah. I, I think we're getting there. I, I think it, unless somebody, if Clemson Clemson doesn't get just plagued with injuries everywhere, I, I don't even know if anybody's close to him. this year. Well, I mean, year. there's always those there's surprise no. games. I mean, Army almost beat uh, Michigan. Army, Michigan. Oh, man. 
And I love watching Army games. That's all they do is run, run, Michigan, run, run, run. Michigan, Neil. That, that's one of our teams. Aaron, you took Michigan, I too. Did. I did. In your final four. Still wanted to see but Army win. Army is one of those teams that come in with a great system. It's hard to defend. Yeah. And Michigan held Option their own offense. and snug out of there with a win. And here's the thing. everybody. I've I seen everybody giving Michigan flack this week. They don't remember Oklahoma got took to double overtime last year against Army. Yeah. Army was a 10-win team last year, running one of the most difficult offenses to defend in the country, the, the triple option attack. They passed the ball like two times. And I they think. had a lot of players come back from last year's team. Good football team. Yeah. And Michigan catching a lot of slack this week. Yeah, Harbaugh catching a lot of slack. Uh, Kansas State Bowling Green. Kansas we're, State, we're 69 shocked. to nothing over Bowling Green. I know it's Bowling Green. Jared Daggy's not there. Uh, Deggy's not there, but Deggy didn't play defense. 69 to nothing. I mean, there's been some absolute <laughs> uh, woodshed woodshed whoopings that you would mm-hmm. say in college football the last couple of I weeks. mean, for, for Kansas State to put up that kind of numbers against Bowling yeah. Green, and we can barely uh, <laughs> get 13 points against James Madison, yeah, just really. tells me that Kansas State may be a little bit more uh, ahead, ahead of, of us. us. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And a team that I want to talk about, and guys, we're not going to pick the game this week because I didn't notice this until today. North Carolina knocks off Miami last week in the last seconds. They've already beat SEC rival South Carolina. They go on the road to Wake Forest this week, and they're a touchdown underdog. Can North Carolina continue their streak? Aaron Host, do you think they beat Wake Forest this week? Oh, I definitely think they will. One more win than they had all of last year. Neil? I agree. I think Mac uh, Brown has done an excellent job thus far in the first two games. He's got uh, this one against Wake Forest. But, yeah, I think that uh, they've got, they're riding a lot of momentum right now. So, yeah, I think Mac they keep Tech. it going. Here, Here's the stat they're going for. They're going for a record this week. They can become the fifth team all time to win as an unrated underdog three weeks in a row. Only four. Four other teams have done it in the modern age of college football. Was UCF one? Uh, I forget. I know Florida Atlantic was one of them. I did not get the complete list. Because UCF went 0-12 one season, and they went undefeated the next season. Yeah, but you got to look. They play in the AAC, too. So we'll Fair see. enough. Hey, big game for Central Florida. We haven't talked much about Central Florida this year. They're on our pick sheet. They got Stanford. Stanford, of course, got beat by USC. Central Florida hasn't... Lost a regular season game in two years. Will anybody take the upset? Plus, who will win? West Virginia or NC State? Our pick six segment of the show coming up next here on The Blitz. Welcome back, everybody, to The Blitz. Segment four. It is time to pick six. Our six first selections of the evening. Don't forget, if you would like to hear all of our selections, make sure you tune in to the Sports Roundtable podcast. We will give you five games, five exclusive picks on the Sports Roundtable podcast. If you're already listening on the podcast, that is coming up right after the Pick 6 segment. Last week, Neil Waldeck was the leader. He is still in the lead. He did not win the week. I won the week at 10 and 1. Neil was 9 and 2. Aaron was 8 and 3. He is currently in third. Kelly went 7 and 4 last week, bettering his 5 and 6 mark in week 1. Neil Waldeck, I understand you have Kelly Gamble's picks. I do. He did he get those to you before or after he went into training? <laughs> He got them uh, before. Before. So it's probably another bad week for Kelly. It could be. All right, let's see. Let's start Friday night, number 20, Washington State, led by Mike Leach, traveling to Houston to take on Dana and the Cougars. Dana beat an FCS opponent last week. This game kicks off 9-15. Guys, for years, I heard, man, West Virginia, Washington State would be a great bowl game. We want to see Dana and Mike Leach. Well, you get it. Week three of the season. Our leader, Neil Waldeck, I go to you first. Washington State and Houston, Friday night. Oh, I think uh, Hokerson's still rebuild, uh, rebuilding there at uh, Houston, and I like Washington State. They're off to a 2-0 start. Uh, 
I think they'll make a run in it uh, there in the Pac-12, and I like Washington State in this matchup. I like Washington State as well. I picked Oklahoma in week one over Houston by 35. Uh, Washington State will beat Houston by 28. Aaron Host. I agree with you, Dana. We'll go under 500. Saturday. It is. Just to uh, let you know, Kelly did take Washington as well. Oh, thank you. Okay. All right. Good for Kelly. All right. He agrees with us. Saturday. It's a rivalry game. In state rivalry, if you can call it that, as the Pitt Panthers, one and one on the season, traveling to Happy Valley to take on them Nittany Lions. The 13th ranked Nittany Lions are 2 and 0. Got off to a little bit of a slow start last week, but excelled at the end. Uh, No game here. Penn State wins big. Aaron Host. Definitely, the Nittany Lions all the way. And Neil. I like uh, the uh, Nittany Lions, and Kelly does too. We both uh, okay. like uh, the Nittany Kelly, Lions in this matchup. Kelly's playing a conservative so far. Yes, he is okay. so far. All right, still on Saturday, another noon kickoff. This one in the Big 12. Big 12 taking on the SEC, guys. Kansas State, we talked about them. They're showing some signs of life. They travel down to Starkville to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs, also 2-0 and on the year. Aaron Host, I go to you first. Mississippi State. Neil Waldeck. I like uh, the uh, Spartans in this matchup over the uh, Wildcats. I think uh, Spartans a little too much uh, for Kansas State, although I think it's going to be closer than what people think. And also Kelly agrees with me. He likes the Spartans in this matchup as well. Bulldogs, Mississippi State. Or Mississippi, I'm ah, sorry. Okay. You were looking down a couple lines to Michigan State, weren't you? Yeah. So you're going with Mississippi we're State. We're both uh, going with Mississippi I, State. I agree with you, but I do believe Kansas State keeps us a little closer than some people might think. Skipping down a couple games there. Let's go to the big one in the Big 12. College game day goes to Ames, Iowa this week for the number 19 Iowa team. Taking on the Big 12's Iowa State Cyclones. It is the battle for the Cy-Hawk Trophy. Neil Waldeck and Kelly Gamble, you guys go first there. Well, uh, we're going to split in this one. I like Iowa State Cyclones. I think Iowa State, yeah, they struggled in their opener. They had uh, a week off last week. They will rebound. I like them against the Hawkeyes in this matchup. Now, Kelly, on the other hand, he likes the Hawkeyes. They come in uh, 19th ranked. And he likes Iowa to knock off uh, Iowa State. Huge rivalry game. Iowa State at home. I like when Iowa State plays at home. I know they struggled with Northern Iowa. I think they sneak out another win against Iowa. Aaron Host. I have to go with the Hawkeyes. Ooh. Going with the Hawkeyes over here. Okay, we got a little disagreement on that one. Nightcap, guys, on ESPN, another Big 12 team. Texas Tech gets their first challenge of the year under new head coach. Traveling to Arizona. Guys, I'm going to take, I, I think this is an upset. Texas is Texas Tech is a slight favorite, and I know Arizona's already lost to Hawaii. Arizona has a great offense, and I don't think Texas Tech has rebuilt that defense yet. I'm going Arizona over Texas Tech. Aaron Host. I'm on Texas Tech. And Neil and Kelly over in Studio B. Well, we both uh, uh, take uh, Texas Tech in this matchup. I like Texas Tech, I think, uh, offensively. And they, they're they're responding to their new coach. And that's a good thing. They're off to a 2-0 start. Arizona's struggling. I like Texas Tech. And right. Kelly does, too. Guys, 12 noon. Fox Sports 1. FS1. You can catch our game coverage beginning at 8.30 from Learfield IMG College. The NC State Wolfpack travel into Morgantown alongside a coach that has a chip on his shoulder by the name of Tony Gibson. West Virginia's got some things to figure out. Will they figure it out? Neil Waldeck, NC State WVU. Yeah, I uh, like WVU in this matchup. I think they got... um things going in the right direction defensively. I think they have a lot of momentum from shutting out Missouri in that second half. And I think that uh, they will get some turnovers that will help the offense in this matchup. And they squeak out a win. I'm looking at a 23-20 ball game. And uh, Kelly in this matchup, he's going more with North Carolina State. He's not getting burned again by taking no. the Mountaineers this week. Aaron Host, NC State WVU. I may get burned on this one, but I'm going with Q Country Roads. All right. Aaron Host takes West Virginia. Guys, these two teams, very similar. They there are. is 
there is one difference. Neil Brown in his first year is trying to build the culture and build his program. Dave Doran is rebuilding now in his sixth year as the NC State head coach. The culture's been developed. They're his guys. West Virginia keeps it close. Their defense keeps it close. NC State 17, West Virginia 14. Hey, make sure you jump on over to the Sports Roundtable podcast. We got five more exclusive picks coming up there. Until next week, this is Chris Westfall, Neil Waldeck, and Aaron Host, and hopefully Kelly Gamble will be back beside us as well here on The Blitz. All right, and welcome to the special exclusive here on the Sports Roundtable podcast. I am your host, Chris Westfall. Alongside me, Neil Waldeck and Aaron Host, um, Kelly Gamble, never has surfaced this evening. He's still hiding. Still hiding. <laughs> and do, do you think he'll come back if he has a winning week this week? If he if he has a winning week this week, he will be back on the show, I guarantee it. Yeah, he'll be around to brag about it. <laughs> brag about it. He is in dead last like, right now. He has a four-game disadvantage. Neil and I are tied at the top at 16 and 6 apiece. And Aaron Host, last year, Aaron Huggle, Aaron Host struggled a little bit yeah. in his first year That's of making right. the picks. Hey, he's 15 and 7. He is. He's doing much better. One Not bad. Out. Not bad. One game out of the lead. We have five more games to talk about exclusively right here on the Sports Roundtable podcast. But first, I would like to thank. Some of our listeners that are tuning in each and every week into our uh, first delve, our first dive into the podcasting world. Neil, I, I don't even know if you know this, but I pulled up the cities that have been listening. Okay, And I'd like to thank all of our listeners in Morgantown and Weston yeah, here great. in West Virginia. Smithfield, PA and Carmichael's, Pennsylvania. Vero Beach, Florida. Rockingham, North Carolina. Erie, Pennsylvania, Duncanville, Texas, Ashburn, Virginia, San Jose, California, and all the way in Lima, Peru. Aaron, you got something to do with the Lima, Peru, don't you? I, I think I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't brag too much about <laughs> Lima, Peru. Hey, 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 to somebody, that might sound amazing, but he's got family. Yes. He's got family. It's yeah. nice that the family's listening to you. They do every week. Every week. Tune in. Loyal. Hey, and I've been seeing San Jose, California on there every week, too. I don't know who likes us in California, but somebody does. Well, that's great. It they, is. They, they like the Mountaineers. They they like our show. Hey, no matter where you go in this world, you will always find a Mountaineer. That's right. And no matter what you're talking about in sports, I bet you you can find a Mountaineer connection to it somehow. Awesome. Guaranteed. Most generally. Most generally. Yes. I can always tie something back to the Mountaineers. Hey guys, we got five more games to pick. Here we go. Central Florida hasn't lost a game in two regular seasons. Their only loss was last year to LSU in the bowl game. Barely. Taking on Stanford out of the Pac-12. Now I know Stanford has a backup quarterback. They lost last week to USC. Traveling to Orlando to take on Central Florida. Neil Waldeck, go for it, man. I think the Stanford, though, is supposed to get their quarterback back, but I'm not quite certain on that. But I still think Central Florida a little too much uh, for Stanford in this game. They're going to be wound up tight. They're they're at home. Uh, I like uh, Central Florida to defeat him. Kelly also likes Central Florida in this matchup. Aaron Host. UCF's been my team. I didn't pick them for the college Final Four. It's just because of the loss last year. But I think UCF wins again. Haven't lost a game in two years. That's hard to pick against. All right. Um, UCF won't make it to the Final Four this year. No. Even if they did go undefeated. It's just not in the cards for them. But there's not going to be an argument this year because Stanford will beat them this week. Here's the thing with Stanford football teams. And you look back through the past. They just out-physical people. Central Florida is not ready for the physicality of Stanford's offensive line, their defensive line. I believe Stanford beat Central Florida on the road this week. Neil, you were wanting to talk about the Spartans earlier. When we were talking about the Mississippi State Bulldogs. But, hey, Arizona State's 2-0, and and they traveled to number 18, Michigan State. They're 2-0. This is at 4 p.m. on Fox. 
I like Michigan State. I like the Spartans of this game. Arizona State hasn't played the level of competition yet. Uh, missing Nikhil Harris. Uh, I, I'm just going Michigan State. Aaron Host. Michigan State. Moving down, you know, uh, Florida-Kentucky, one of those rivalries. Florida has just manhandled Kentucky through the years. Kentucky finally gets a win last year. I think it ended a 15- or 16-year drought that Kentucky had lost to Florida. Can they keep it rolling? Aaron Host, Florida-Kentucky. I definitely think they will since they're at home. Last year they beat them in Gainesville. This year they're playing at home? Lexington. So you're going with Kentucky. Neil Waldeck, Florida-Kentucky. I'm going with uh, Florida in this one, and uh, Kelly uh, agrees with me on that one. Uh, We both uh, agree Florida may be too much for Kentucky. Florida, sloppy but close. They will win. Uh, Kentucky just lost too much off of last year's team. I I think Florida uh, handles them. Number one Clemson travels to their kryptonite this week. Syracuse beat them two years ago when they were ranked number one. They almost beat them last year. Trevor Lawrence pulled off some last-minute heroics to beat Syracuse. Can Dino Babers and Syracuse... Can lightning strike three times, Neil Waldeck? No. This is a lapper. Clemson goes in, rolls over them. It's going to be like, I don't know, I'm going to say 56 to maybe 14. Hey, Maryland scored 63 on them last week. You, you I think Clemson will take it a little easy on them. Yeah, I don't. I think they're they're out for him this year. You Maryland scored sixty three on them last week. Clemson dropped seventy on them this week. I'm going Clemson. Aaron Host. I this this is I don't even know why this is on the picture. Yeah, Clemson all the way. <laughs> I thought I would get somebody to jump on it. Did Kelly Gamble jump on it on on Syracuse? Yeah. No, we're both taking Clemson in this one. He's been training. <laughs> it's been training. I like it. All right, guys. One more on our pick sheet for tonight. Hey, Florida State, man, things are bad. Blew a big lead against Boise State and needs triple overtime to beat Louisiana Monroe by one point last week. They travel to Charlottesville to take on the Virginia Cavaliers who jump into the top 25 this week at 2-0. Virginia, they almost lost a pit. I I don't know. They might be a little bit overrated. Uh, Aaron Host? Going Florida State or Virginia? Jimbo left when the get was. Mm, when the it's get a mess. Good. So I'm yeah Virginia. I, I think Virginia escapes with a win. Close game, but Virginia beats Florida State, and Florida State starts the season at one and two. It is bad in Tallahassee. Neil Waldeck. Yeah, and, and Kelly and I both agree. Uh, Virginia a little too much. I do think they may be overrated a little bit. Yeah, but they I do, do too. Beat Florida State. Man, one and two start. One and one start for Florida State. Blowing that big lead against Boise. Almost losing to Louisiana Monroe. Tennessee losing back-to-back weeks. Not good for two pedigrees of football. Folks, it's been fun talking to you. We'll check you next week. This is the Sports Roundtable Podcast.